Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men... How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes... Nearly $10 million was all gone. It's just unbelievable. Hide your money in your old rich man, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Paul, Mission Control, Deck, and most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. I've got a good feeling about this one. I have like you three feelings. Yeah, I have like three feelings a year, and this is one of them. I have a good feeling about this. I'm with you, man. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling the posy vibes, feeling the good vibrations. See, me, on the other hand, I don't know. Something's off. Are you the doom bringer, Matt? The naysayer? Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you no. trying to bring us down, bro? <laughs> Honey Muffet Stretcheroo. <laughs> yeah, wow. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this is like, okay, so we're talking about feelings, right? Feelings. Uh, you know how sometimes you get that zap of intuition, this like an inner push. All of a sudden you're like, yes, I'm going to ask this person out on a date or I'm going to buy a plane ticket. Or sometimes you might just have a sense of unease, malaise. You meet someone and in the space of seconds, you're like, mm, I don't trust that one. Yeah. It's like, uh, I mean, you could call it intuition. You could call it reading the room, perhaps, or sometimes just sort of being open, you know, to, to the possibilities, right? Mm-hmm. Saying yes. And to the universe. Yes. Right. And <laughs> to the universe. But, yeah. Uh, and, you know, we hear all these stories like whenever there's an, a large scale disaster, there is inevitably some anecdote that makes its way into the public. Right. During 9-11, there's stories of people who suddenly decided they were going to call in sick to work or they suddenly didn't want to hop on the maiden voyage of the Titanic. You might even experience this in your own life. You might hesitate at a stoplight just for a moment, even though it's green and then Boom, right in front of you, a catastrophic car accident. These things, like you're mentioning, these these little hints 
that appear to come from beyond us are sometimes these days called vibes. Yeah. Can I tell you guys just a really quick story about yeah. a similar situation that you kind of just described, Ben? So not long ago, I was hit by somebody who ran a stoplight. I was in my car. I was at a red light. I started going when it turned green and somebody T-boned me, right? That day, when I got in the car, I, I kid you not, guys, I sat in my car and I looked over. And I've got these like driving gloves, which is such a weird thing to have, but I've got driving gloves. In case you gloves. need to do a murder, you know, just don't <laughs> well, it. It's not for that, but but I have driving gloves that I never wear. That day when I left the house, for some reason, I looked over and put my driving gloves on because I felt, I don't know why, and I did it, and then I ended up getting hit that felt day. Felt like you needed to be ready for somehow, you know? Uh, it's tough to explain, uh, and we're, we're going to attempt it. We're going to uh, solve, in part, the big question, are vibes real? Here are the facts. Vibe, vibes, it's not just this amazing uh, cinematic masterpiece, but uh, it's also, <laughs> I was trying to find us a good definition, like a good solid definition of vibes, and most of the dictionary ones are useless. Yeah, I mean, it's more of a feeling, you know, and it really didn't come into being as a cultural kind of term uh, until probably the late 60s, I guess. I mean, you know, you in uh, researching Ben found that good vibrations really wasn't necessarily referring to a pre-existing phenomenon in as much as it was sort of you know, creating that phenomenon in and of itself. I mean, I, I kind of question as to whether or not that, you know, in Southern California, you know, where Brian Wilson and company were hanging out, if it wasn't sort of maybe a local colloquial term, like, you know, like having good vibes or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, or a surfer thing, or if it maybe came from that. But certainly that whole culture wasn't really communicated to the world at large until the Beach Boys really just Pump, pumped it out into the atmosphere, you know, like hook it up to my veins, Brian Wilson, because yeah, I mean, this is a massive hit, which is interesting considering what kind of an odd song it is. Like it was really when the Beach Boys were heading more in their psychedelic Zen kind of direction, you know, and use the theremin for the first time in like popular culture as well. <laughs> good, good, good. No, Paul says we'll get soon. Yeah, All right. You so, always have a good, good, good. We're with you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, good vibrations, right? If you, uh, so Miriam Webster says, defines vibes in this sense as, quote, a distinctive feeling or quality capable of being sensed, which could be anything. At that point, what stimulus is not a vibe, right? I stub my toe. That's a heck of a vibe, right? I smell cinnamon and cocoa. That's a vibe. Matt just punched me in the face. It was really the hardest vibe I've ever felt. <laughs> which is which is weird because we're he recording remotely. He, he would, he, we're, completely uh, hypothetical situation there. Matt is, <laughs> no. Matt is a pacifist. <laughs> so, so um, yeah, you make a great point about... Uh, about Beach Boys, kind of mainstreams vibes, you know, the kind of uh, similar to the way that certain musical artists or films uh, mainstream the phrase hella, which was also severely California. Oh, boy, was it? Is it still? Yeah. It's almost <laughs> yes. like cliche. As is vibes. Vibes truly have. I mean, that's actually, you know what? That's not true. Vibes is sort of having a second life. Vibes is, you know, vibe check, you know, beep, don't kill my vibe, you know, by Kendrick Lamar. Like, it really is becoming newly uh, kind of reintegrated into, like, you know, popular slang. And some people hate it, of course, given mm -hmm. the recursive nature of fame and the internet. Uh, we know that 
in the earlier 60s, right, pre-Beach Boys, if someone said something, if someone mentioned a vibe, they might very well be talking about a, a vibraphone. Now, what, what is a vibraphone? Ah, man, Matt, as the percussionist, uh, I know this is probably something that you ran into when you were playing band in school and stuff, but really cool instrument that you don't get to have unless you really know what you're doing. It's like a xylophone, but with tubes underneath it. As if that weren't enough, the tubes have little motors attached to them with little flippy flippy panels that fill up the kind of empty space inside the tube. It kind of gives it sort of a vibrato quality and it's beautiful it's in a lot of modern music a lot of loungy jazz music like you said ben of the the you know 50s specifically i think more so than the 30s well yeah marimba was more in the earlier than that but then the vibraphone was maybe more popularized in the 50s and 60s and then in more modern jazz there you go it, it i really like it because it's almost like having a wind instrument and a mallet like percussion instrument kind of together in one thing and it was invented in 1916, right? Uh, the the lesser-known musical instruments are so endlessly fascinating. I never would have thought it was yeah. invented that early. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting. Wow. Yeah. And uh, according to Brian Wilson, or according to Beach Boys lore, he heard about the idea of a person giving off vibes from his mom and thought it was mostly a hippie concept. But from there, mainstreams, now the concept of vibes has blossomed into everyday speech. This is why some people hate it. Vibes can now be defined as an idea, a message, a connection between individuals, a theme, a trope, an atmosphere, a sensation, an aesthetic, etc., etc., at all. One singular sensation. You know, every little <laughs> step she takes. No, what? <laughs> I can't get sued for speaking the words, man. <laughs> but no, it, I don't yeah. know where, but she sends me there. Yeah. She, and I'm there. We're all there now together as one. Uh, yeah, man. This is, I mean, I, yeah, man. Totally, bro. Uh, I just, I think it's a neat concept to, to, to dig into, Ben. Uh, I'm glad that, that, um, that we decided to go with this because it, it, it goes a lot further than you think and it, it involves a lot more actual science and psychology than one might uh, glean from its sort of hippie origins, right? Depending on how you think about it, it could have a lot to do with our 2015 episode uh, about chi, right? And energy mm-hmm. and when mm-hmm. we talked about the auras and all those things. But there's there's some weird science to this thing. Yeah, yeah, there really is. I mean, okay, so the if you want to be super fun at parties, the thing we're describing with vibes linguistically as a term is something called linguistic generalization. Like there's a there are a couple of awesome uh, Scandinavian stand-up comics who talk about this. There's one guy in particular, he's from Finland, I can't remember his name, but he he uh, loves talking about how the word ass means so many things in American English or, you know, of course, which is going to be hilarious because that just got beeped and you don't know what word we said. But but, uh, nowadays, you know, uh, despite this very vague, very broad definition, everybody, pretty much everybody accepts two main definitions of a vibe. One in the world of fashion, it's like an aesthetic. You know what I mean? Ah, Taylor Swift is such a vibe. Uh, And then the other one, the one that we're focusing on today is the idea of intuition, a spidey sense, a gut feeling, a hunch. And let's be honest, most of us listening along tonight, we may have trouble articulating what a vibe is, but we have no trouble recalling the experience. Matt, just like your um, 
the strange coincidence, if coincidence it is, with the driving gloves. What? How? How would we describe catching a vibe? Uh, well, I was going to take it back to the movie vibes that we mentioned at the top that we've talked about before, but I wanted to describe one version of that, how it's been depicted. Would that be okay? Oh, boy, yeah. Okay, so... Give it to us, Honey Muffin Stretcheroo. <laughs> vibes is more of a film, but for sure, man. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. Call Vibes a movie. <laughs> Sorry. My bad, my bad. It was totally film. Um, well, the, the version I saw, I think, was VHS. I'm not sure. Uh, but... Jeff Goldblum plays a character that is a psychometrist. What would we, how would we describe that? Psychometry is the uh, psychic power to touch an object like this straw or this mason jar. And through that physical contact, experience things that happen to or around that object in the past. Right. Or just know something. And I guess that sort of gets lumped in with psychic powers or telekinesis. I mean, I guess telekinesis is more specifically moving things with your mind, but it does feel like it's in that wheelhouse of like being able to sense energies and perhaps manipulate them even. You could call it something like object-based clairvoyance. That's cool. Mm, yeah. mm. And then see, there's another character in that movie that Cindy Lauper plays that is a transmedium. So speaks to some spirit guide, right? Interacts with a spirit guide in between the plane of reality and the afterlife. In between which, the two of them, they're unstoppable, right? Well, but, that, but <laughs> yes, but that is how that character gets clued into vibes, right? And there are several other characters that show psychic traits in the movie. And it really does a good job of kind of showing these different variations on being able to pick up on vibes uh, that many people claim to have these kinds of abilities today. And most of that stuff that's depicted in the movie, the way those characters are able to pick up on vibes, we, we got to say right now is not proven, right? None of that stuff's proven, but there is something going on. That's true. That's absolutely correct, folks. You see, tonight we're going to prove to you that vibes appear to be real. What are we talking about? We'll tell you after a word from our sponsor. Hey guys, I'm home. Everyone knows that it's dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry I'm late, everyone. There was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry, though. He's fully recovered. <sighs> Good one, Dad. <sighs> Did you get the pizza for dinner? So he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. Yep, right here. I had a coupon, and it saved me a lot of dough. Well, the truth is, Dad is just a fun guy. Hey, I'm not a mushroom. Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today 
and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Here's where it gets crazy. Caveat, 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 fine print, disclaimer, caveat, asterisk. We cannot put enough of those in there. Uh, As of now, despite uh, excellent films like Vibes, which are about, you know, just the utmost echelons of human ability uh no one seems to fully predict the future no one seems to be able to fully read minds no one is able to practice that retroactive object-based clairvoyance there is a lot of terrifying progress in the idea of predicting the future through big data uh or uh using neuroscience to read people's minds both computer-based things making what once were uh, comic book psychic powers, very much real. Or even like, you know, certain abilities of mentalists to be able to even implant ideas and suggestions into people's minds and thereby, quote unquote, reading them. But it's kind of them who gave them the ideas in the first place. So, you know, uh, I don't think any of us are poo-pooing on any spiritual beliefs here. And, and certainly none of us claim to fully understand all of this stuff. And there's always, you know, something beyond that we'll never fully be able to explain with science. But I think what we're mainly talking about today is that intuition aspect of it that I think, Ben, you mentioned, the spidey sense, right? Yeah, but there is vibe checking going on actively, like you're talking about, Ben, with the progress in neuroscience, but also in um, using machine learning and artificial intelligence. And we've mentioned this before on the show, but there are so many venture capital outfits and even massive trading firms that are out there existing that are trying to do vibe checks basically on individual stocks and in, on entire economic sec- sectors. And they're doing that kind of in a similar way where they're, we're going to talk about this, but they are picking up all these various little signals and then combining them and crunching those numbers way faster than any human could in an attempt to figure out what the next steps are. What are the next two, you know, to 12 iterations? 
Right. Yeah. That's. Uh, I'm. I'm really glad we're bringing this up because uh, this also is being applied to human behavior. Reading micro expressions. Right. Couple that with. Couple that with a robust enough data set about previous behavior, and you get very close to predicting what a person will do. And I know for any fan, any opponents of determinism, that's a that's a very daunting thing. What about my free will? We might say uh, you should be scared, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you should be very frightened. But science, right now, um, to your points, science does appear to have some solid explanations. Or that gut feeling we call intuition without quote unquote artificial intelligence, without big data and arcane algorithms, we've got three extremely plausible theories that help us explain what appears to be these messages from the unknown, what appears to be maybe ESP. And I'm, in full disclosure, you know, I come from. Uh, a community that has been much maligned and accused of witchcraft in the past. Uh, and a lot of my personal family members are utterly convinced they have some sort of recessive genetic thing. Uh, this is, again, like you said, Noel, this is not to bust anybody's personal beliefs, not to uh, denigrate anybody's spiritual ideals. We wanted to stick to the science. And one of the biggest pieces of what feels like a vibe. Uh, one of the, the biggest things is what we would call subconscious cues. And we want to, we owe a lot of this to an author named Gavin De Becker, who wrote The Gift of Fear. Fear, fear, fear. I think it's interesting too that fear is the key word in that title because I mean, a lot of the stuff goes back to, you know, just animalistic instincts. You know, I mean, if you are threatened, then you're going to be in a heightened state of awareness and you're going to be kind of keyed up to, to lock in on some of these uh, nonverbal cues, a threatening stance, perhaps, you know, uh, there's somebody looking at you a certain way from a distance that you kind of clock um, just a lot of nonverbal cues that, you know, maybe only one is a little bit suspicious, but then combined with a few others, you're all of a sudden on high alert. And then you're just like really taking in that data, you know, you know, it, with your with your with your senses, whether it be, you know, visually um, through audio or through scent. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, there's a, there there's a great example. The book is full of fantastic examples. And now. There are uh, there are scientists who have some valid uh, criticisms of the book, but one example I remember is concerns the Unabomber. These folks got a uh, got a package addressed to a former law enforcement figure, right? And they weren't expecting a package, and one of the guys was walking out. And he said, okay, I'm going to walk out before that uh, mail bomb goes off. Dark humor was indicative. Dark humor, like humor in general, allows you to say things that would ordinarily violate social taboos or be disturbing, right? Uh, he, he, he is laying out, just like you said, Noel, he's laying out a very strong case for small signs that your subconscious or your unconscious mind register without tripping your full awareness. I mean, think about it. Most people are pretty good at judging folks based on first impressions. Think of them like slices. You get a little thin slice of this person based on, you know, um, a glimpse of a photo or all the way up to 
uh, speed dating or having a, a brief interaction on an elevator, right? Because we also were in the U.S. South where everybody acts like they are vaguely related to you. Strangers talk to each other here. And uh, there's a study we found with a psychologist named Nalini Ambadi, and she had some really interesting findings about people's abilities to judge folks based on vibes, based on first impressions. And it's very strange. Yeah. Imagine a 10 second video clip of a professor right now giving, giving a lecture. Now imagine that you muted the video and just watched that 10 second video of a professor Imagine how you feel, I guess, about that professor. Isn't that what she asked people to do? Yeah, yes. She said, well, she specifically said, okay, watch these 10-second clips like you described, Matt, and they're silent clips. Uh, And after watching the clip, she had a group of these students grade or rate what they considered the overall effectiveness of the educator. So like on a scale of, you know, one to 10 or one to five or whatever, uh, how good is this professor at teaching? That's really, 10 seconds, no um, sound. Well, what would you guys be looking for? I mean, I mean, maybe the question isn't what you'd be looking for. I mean, for me, I think uh, really um, clear, precise gesturing would be important or, or like engaging body language, uh, wide eyes, some kind of like, you know, engaging uh, facial expressions. I think that's what I would be looking for because it would be things that I would associate with keeping my attention. Whether you know? they hang dong. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, obviously going to be the first thing I'm looking for, but <laughs> right. you know, without knowing what the content is, what else is there to look for? You know, besides like, or is, 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 is the professor uh, attractive? You know what I mean? That's a big part. Yeah. Have you guys ever seen ratemyprofessor.com? I know it's a thing and it's basically becomes like hot or not.com, you know? Yeah, I haven't checked on it in uh, in years, but I need to, I guess now we know a lot of professors, so I'll check. One thing they did that was really problematic is they would put a chili pepper by the professor's profile if that Ooh. professor was considered attractive. Surely they've done away with that. Uh, that seems very, very counterproductive. Yeah, yeah, just kind of, yeah, a little weird. Well, I'll give you my criteria. Is there a cane involved in in any way? Is there a trilby and or is there an eye patch? Those are the only three criteria I need. I'm ashamed to know. I say I don't know what a trilby is. It's uh, it's like a less insisting fedora. I see. Okay. <laughs> How can like I a, wait? Okay, so like a. Well, like, wait, so like, uh, like an, I don't know how, how does it, does he like teach a film history tree? at Georgia state? That, yeah. wait, no, <laughs> there's no way of, there's no way of knowing, uh, well, when Justin, uh, when Justin Timberlake okay. was wearing that, that was a trilby, not a fedora. Fedora has a wider brim. Often. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. So sort of like that hat in the, I think you should leave sketch, but without the flap on the back. Yes, okay. <laughs> sort of like cool. that. Cool, 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 cool. Uh, yeah, uh, and he could—he's the only guy who could pull it off. You know. Uh, Wait so- a second. <laughs> Does the professor have signs of deving dice in his pocket? That's right. something I'd be looking for Does, uh, well, as well. Other things. Does the professor have glasses? Do they have spectacles? Right. And we're joking a little bit about physical appearance, but these are also the subconscious cues that students in the class would uh, would use in their own estimation. And when these folks were just guessing off 10 seconds of silent film, their ratings 
as long as they came into those videos cold, their ratings correlated very strongly with the end of semester ratings that students gave after taking the entire course. Uh, and then they had, then they did something else. Again, this uh, psychologist has passed away, but brilliant work. Uh, she had another set of participants count backwards from 1,000 by nines oh, come as, on. They, as they watched the clip. I know, it's like that DUI test, say the alphabet backwards. Most people can't do that sober. And so, uh, so they're, they're doing a kind of difficult uh, counting task, arith uh, arithmetic task, and they're doing it while they're watching the clips. So the clips are just kind of playing and their conscious memory is engaged elsewhere, trying to count backwards by nines from a thousand. And guess what? Their ratings of those 10 second clips, just as accurate. They, when they were like barely paying attention. Really? Yeah, I'm not even sure. One thousand counting one thousand backwards by nines, does that mean you subtract nine each time? So is it like nine hundred ninety-one? That's how, how, I can't do that. What am I getting? Am I getting a field sobriety test here? Like, give me a break. But that is really interesting because it, it's borderline judging a book by its cover really is right. Be, just by looking at the appearance and basic mannerisms, it, it, it's fascinating because I, under, I think I understand what this psychologist is, is trying to do. And I think we've laid it out really well here. It's just, it does feel like you're just kind of judging somebody by their appearance and mannerism, right? It's hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think we've certainly all seen examples in like pop culture where there'll be a fake out where like someone thinks they're about to get murdered, but it turns out it's actually just the kindly next door neighbor coming to like tell them they've dropped their keys in the yard, you know? So when you're on that, in that heightened state, I mean, again, this is probably a character that's already had threat of murder done to them at some point in the, in the film. Let's call it. Um, so they're already kind of thinking that they're sort of predicting that, that that's like the, the outcome that they're, they're going to expect. Um, but it often is exactly that judging a book by its cover. And it's a real quick way to look like a jerk. Uh, if you're, if you're dead wrong, mm -hmm. there's also a reason books have covers. Uh, that, like when oh, people yeah, make that, that process. Yeah. It's, such a, <laughs> it's so irksome, uh, but uh, and, uh, a ton of people, read you, you you get it folks so it's it's weird because here's the plot twist there's already we've already had some twisties here but here's a here's another Shyamalan for us when the groups were asked to write out their reasoning a rubric this is how I will rate this professor based on this clip when they were asked to write out this thing before they gave their rating their accuracy dropped dramatically it plummeted Something about the conscious thought applied to this screwed up their game. That's weird. Which doesn't really make sense, right? Because we would assume that all things being equal, um, if your intuitive, you know, your instant quick reads were just always happening, then thinking about them, why does that, why is that such an interference? It's like there's a silent machine running. Hmm. Also a great film.
So silent running, um, <laughs> unrelated to vibes. Um, but no, I mean, it's it's also one of those things where it's like creativity. Like the more you think about that mechanism or whatever that 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 thing is that allows us to be creative, the more you think about that and force it, the more the less creative you're going to be. I mean, it's not one to one, but it is this silent kind of sensor mechanism that's either you know coming up with ideas in the background or taking in information you know in the background. The more you acknowledge it, the more it's going to kind of like clam up. I also kind of think, uh, I, I like the metaphor of, um, you know, the difficulty figuring out light. Humans are still not great at figuring out whether light is a particle or a wave because putting too much attention on that process can actually hamper it. You know what I mean? Depending on what you're observing uh, and the double slit experiment with light uh, and then maybe it's the same like you're saying maybe it's the same with intuition and artis artistry de becker's book like you can tell from the title it has two big words gift and fear it overwhelmingly focuses on intuition as a means of safety and harm prevention and survival and if you have not read this book yet it is very much worth your time regardless of who you are it is just filled with bangers after bangers, ice cold bars, this guy has. Yeah. Uh, in that book, you learn about something called PINS, P-I-N-S. Please let it be an acronym. It is. Hooray! My goodness. Pre-incident indicators. Okay. Not the sexiest acronym, but it gets the job done. And what is a pin, you might ask? Well, <laughs> let's put a pin in that. And we'll take a quick break from our. No, I'm kidding. Let's do <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, it'd be such a good transition, though. Yeah, it's um, uh, a pin could be something like uh, the way a person interacts with you. There's a great anecdote that DeBecker says he saw himself. A person is on a plane there he's sitting on a plane there are two other, there are two other people he notices on the plane and one of them is a kind of skeezy guy and the other one is a young lady and this guy is doing some like predatory questioning getting to know you pua kind of stuff pickup artist stuff where he's leveraging microaggressions and small social mores to get information about this person to find out um, if she's traveling alone, if anybody's waiting to, to meet her at the airport. And these things can be, seem very, very small at first, but what he finds in a lot of different accounts is that when people have survived a dangerous situation, they look back and those little things that they were consciously ignoring seem incredibly significant in retrospect. Well, and if you've been the victim of, say, a crime where you didn't notice those signs until after the fact, moving forward, you're probably going to notice those things a hell of a lot more, even sometimes when they're not there or when they're not actually, you know, what you would think they are. And just, you know, to, to your point, Ben, and the point that this author is making, throughout history, uh, women have, have had to hone this sense even more sharply because of incidents involving folks harassing them. I mean, in fact, a colleague of ours who I won't name um, recently posted a video about uh, being 
you know, flirted with at the gym and, and how there's a fine line between like going to, you know, ask somebody out in the gym versus following them out to their car. Because the moment you follow them out of their car, that vibe check is off the charts. You know, someone's knocking on your window. Um, that is not the same as someone approaching you in a public space where there's lots of people around and respectfully asking if you wouldn't mind, you know, giving their, you know, their number or going on a date or whatever. But the moment you leave and are in a parking lot, that equipment shifts and all of a sudden the threat is identified. I think we've all, to some degree, had to, regardless of your demographic, you've had to deal with people who attempt to violate your boundaries. I don't deal with it very uh, very well personally, uh, and there are a multitude of ways to deal with this. Maybe one of the most helpful things is to talk about pre-incident indicators. And I want to shout out an excellent line DeBecker had uh, in conversation with a colleague of his. Uh, she said, the number one thing male or male-identifying uh, folks are frightened of is women laughing at them. That's that's the idea. The number one thing women or women-identifying people are afraid of when it comes to dudes is getting killed by them. And that's a hell of a difference. So uh, pre-incident indicators, just some examples, are things like forced teaming. That's when you resort to the royal we with a stranger. Like, oh, well, we, you know, we've got to uh, let me help you carry these. You know, we've got to help you feed your family. Now all of a sudden we're we? I don't know you, bro. Uh, these too many details, typecasting, loan sharking, all these things, they seem small at first, but they are each an attempt to transgress a boundary. Um, and then they can also just be little visual cues, right? Uh, his argument is that by noticing pins, by paying attention to our intuition and our vibes, people are better prepared to escape harmful situations are hopefully empowered to avoid them entirely, uh, even though that's not always possible. Uh, there was one scenario, another one where he talks about a woman who is in a car by an ATM at night, and she has a sudden sense of fear, and she can't explain it. She gets carjacked shortly after, and what seems to have happened is that her subconscious registered a small flash very quick of blue in the uh, side view mirror. And it's because the assailant was wearing jeans. And it, that's something that I think happens to a lot of people. You're sitting in the car, you see a movement in your peripheral, right? You could just be parked. Absolutely. I, mean, I don't remember the artist, but I always feel like somebody's watching me. I mean, you have us, you, you, you do get the willies. You get the sense if someone in the shadows has eyes on you, even if you don't think you can see them. It's a feeling. It's a vibe, you know, and I don't know if it's attributed to psychic anything or any kind of like mystical force. I, I, I but I also don't know. Maybe it's just you're right, Ben. It's just such a subconscious little tick, like a, a shadow passing. And then in your mind, you connect the dots. But uh, who knows what, what, what you actually saw, because it's so quick and your mind is moving so much faster than your your eyes are or your subconscious moving so much faster than your conscious mind is, I reckon. Well, yeah. Th think about that. A flash of movement in the background somewhere or near you that you are uncertain of what that thing was, but your, your mind is certain there was movement, right? Uh, that, I mean, that goes back to movement in the grass or movement in the tree line or, you know, all of that stuff that's so deeply ingrained in our biology. 
Uh, I think especially if you surveyed sense. the scene when you first arrived, and and then all of a sudden there's 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 stimuli indicating that you missed something, you know, or that, that there's something there that wasn't there before. Pattern recognition, looking for incongruities and anomalies. You know, it's the same reason. For instance, uh, you'll hear about families where, let's say, one partner can totally sleep like a log when the other one comes home late and is like opening doors, maybe cooking something They They take the car into the garage and that doesn't register. But then uh, let's say they have a four-year-old and the four-year-old wakes up at night. Then instantly the other person is awake uh, for, for some reason <clears throat> they're asleep. Okay. Their conscious mind is not doing anything. It's the subconscious. And this person who got carjacked her same intuition told her to remain calm and believe it or not, how crazy this might sound. She has a friendly chat with the criminal as friendly as possible, given the circumstances, uh, because she is certain that he would not murder someone he felt he had spoken with or had, you know, some kind of uh, familiarity with. <clears throat> and turned out, thankfully, that she was right. There are countless other examples like this where people have followed their intuition without fully understanding what was happening or why. And it's all because, <sighs> the best way to say it is your subconscious, if you're human, your subconscious is awesome at clocking tiny things and sort of doing a, a red string conspiracy board instantly. It's awesome at that. It also really, really sucks at showing its work or explaining itself. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like just that, you know, it could s solve these brilliant social equations. But if you ask it to write out the steps, it's going to disappoint you. Well, that's because it is bordering on a sixth sense, isn't it? You know what I mean? Like we can explain most of our senses and how they work and the mechanics of them, you know, and, and for the for the most part. But like that thing you're describing is a little harder to quantify, which I think is why sometimes it gets lumped in with more, you know, sixth sense esque kind of abilities. Yeah, but we have to also say that that thing that we're talking about that making a conspiracy board in your mind sometimes we get it wrong like really wrong oh big time our vibes are way off and it's just i mean we we just have to it, that's why it stinks so badly because sometimes they're right on the money sometimes they're co the complete opposite so it hey yeah just gotta roll the dice right and we're gonna we're gonna explain some of that too i mean the thing is right now there's no telepathy it's just some part of you notice something off and it's trying to tell the rest of you in this kind of survival harm reduction situation oftentimes people ignore these pins at their peril because humans are explainers they want to know why they feel a given way and they'll play all kinds of cognitive parkour with their rationalizations oh i don't trust this person because I was having a bad day or I'm just, you know, I'm already feeling hurried at the grocery store, in the airport, what have you. And I want to adhere to social mores. I don't want to make a scene. I want to go with the flow. Again, criminals can count on that sense of normalcy of everything being fine. They can weaponize it, exploit it, leverage it, manipulate you into unsafe situations. But you're right, Matt. Your first impressions are not always correct, and you cannot always trust your gut. 
Well, wouldn't you say that in the same way that criminals maybe are good at those types of manipulations, Ben, like in those types of maybe uh, kind of sleight of hand where you're sort of like, you know, luring someone into a false sense of security or invading a boundary. Don't you think there are some people that do have higher level intuition that maybe become detectives or become interrogators or, you know, whatever, maybe those are too close together, but there certainly are, I think, people that have either honed that ability through practice like you can with anything or are just kind of gifted at it. Quite possibly. Yeah. Childhood upbringing has a lot to do with it. Uh, Children who grow up in chaotic or abusive homes have to hone that skill. They have to be very, <clears throat> they have to spend a lot of time practicing how to predict behavior. And sometimes that can lead to the heartbreaking cycle of abuse phenomenon. Sometimes it makes them very, very good at reading people. And that's, I mean, this, it's more, it's oversimplifying to just throw that dichotomy there, but I think it does speak to the point you're making, you know, and, and we have to return to our caveats, right? We said, like you said, Matt, don't, you can't, what what happens when your intuition gets it wrong? Well, it's because of precedent, perception, and prejudice. I just I've chosen those three because they have the alliteration, and we got a great letter today from someone who wants to be called PP the Man. One of the best names of recent uh, listener mail memory. Not gonna lie. So the unfortunate truth about uh, we human beings um, thinking life forms uh, is, of course, the the elephant in the room, the uh, the big greasy elephant of prejudice. I don't know why he's greasy, but he is. And he's in the room and he's standing right there. Uh, a person that's raised in a racist environment will uh, inherit racist tendencies or will inherit a worldview, you know? And, and obviously we know plenty of folks that grow up in racist environments and, and are able to shed that. But it usually requires some outside force, whether it be a book, whether it be a, another mentor, someone to kind of snap them out of it. But if they're you know, isolated in that bubble, chances are they're going to exhibit a lot of those traits and they're going to be really hard to, to shed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's not just racism, right? But you're, you're right. People's biases are inherited. They're intergenerational. I mean, think of the U S countless people of color find themselves discriminated against unfairly suspected, accused, or even convicted of any number of ridiculous things. The U S is not unique. Of course, think of India's caste system, a complex web of social hierarchies that sadly often achieves similar results. And then of course, you know, there's religion, <laughs> buddy. Oh, we're going to matrix dodge that one for a second. Uh, I like these said other life forms. Because, you know, a dog gets attacked or abused by a person who looks a certain way, maybe a, um, a human with a beard, and that dog may well hate and fear similar looking people for the rest of its life. And staying on, you know, again, we said the U.S. isn't unique. Humans aren't unique either. Um, in addition to dogs or other, you know, domesticated pets carrying their prejudice or precedent with them, we see that very smart animals can do the same. Orcas are knocking over boats because, because, uh, because uh, they found themselves on the wrong side of a boat conflict in the past and they could teach each other. Corvids also teach their offspring to remember people who are dicks. So be careful around those birds. Totally. 
Um, and, and just to double back on something that we, we briefly brought up, this is, you know, I think a, an, an episode unto itself and something that we have yet to fully grasp the uh, the large, larger implications of. But AI, um, for example, or let's call it language modeling, you know, or whatever it's called, machine machine learning. Um, we've seen examples of this technology being used to profile criminals or to, you know, seek out suspects and things like that, or to identify individuals uh, in, in surveillance footage. And we've seen time and time again, the inherent biases that come along with those judgments based on who programmed the AI or what pool of, of information it used to train itself. Mm, yeah, and if you want to learn more about that, do check out like our, our previous, uh, previous listener mail strange news segments. We have we have some pretty scary episodes on quote unquote AI, and we have a lot of people, uh, a lot of our fellow conspiracy realists who are experts in just that field. If we if we stick with the humans, which are still pretty popular for now, we see that all these kinds of factors, conscious or non conscious, can lead to preconceptions. In short, they can they can futz with your intuition. They put your vibes off. Good news, uh, this stuff is taught. All these responses are uh, nurture, not nature. A human child doesn't automatically carry stereotypes about race, religion, caste, best sports team, etc. It's education and it's reinforcement. And the very good news is studies show that the more familiar you become with people outside of your own demographic – the more likely you are to see them as cognizant, equal humans, not just some in-person representative of an abstract idea. You got to do it. You got to protect your vibe. You know, we'll never get to 100% objectivity. But being aware of these flaws, like you're mentioning, actively interfacing with folks that are not exactly like you goes a long way toward keeping your vibes your intuition on point. I don't know why I fell into kind of an old spice commercial cadence there, but the, the I, I, you know, the intentions were good. Always as our vibes. So with that, let's take a quick break and then we'll be back uh, with uh, some more vibe talk. Hey guys, I'm home. Everyone knows that it's dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry, I'm late, everyone. There was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry, though. He's fully recovered. <sighs> Good one, Dad. <sighs> Did you get the pizza for dinner? So he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. Yep, right here. I had a coupon, and it saved me a lot of... dough. Well, the truth is, Dad is just a fun guy. Hey, I'm not a mushroom. Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. 
Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. We have returned. There is another fascinating, plausible, very distressingly plausible theory for vibes or intuition. Titling this, You Haven't Thought About the Smell. That is one of the things that may well lead us to a second episode on vibes. According to researchers, humans can detect what are called chemo signals, chemo signals through smelling bodily excretion, such as sweat or tears left over from people previously at a place. All right. So a lot of mammals transmit chemical signals. You know what I mean? Dogs piss on the fire hydrant. That's like the community bulletin board for doggos. Cats rub their cheeks on stuff or, or use urine to mark their territory, right? All, all, a lot of animals do this. For a long time, people wondered whether humans were doing the same thing. And this is where you see stuff like uh, pheromone cologne. Make yourself irresistible to the ladies with horse sweat. Yeah, I mean, remember, what was it? Uh, Axe body spray, which literally is just that. The only thing that's doing to the ladies is making them, you know, turn and run in droves. But wasn't there a thing that was meant to contain some kind of pheromone or was that just marketing BS? Uh, So pheromone cologne is still uh, very much a thing uh, as far as the um, medical claims we don't we we can't really speak to their efficacy it may be a placebo effect and it may just make you feel more confident which ultimately is the same thing yeah i still have a bottle of sex panther i don't know about you guys but uh, sex panther what is it supposed to smell like a baby diaper full of indian food or something like that yeah. <laughs> that's what they it's say a- in, the, in the movie you're talking about anchorman right <laughs> yes or dracar noir which is uh the opposite of a pheromone cologne. It's a, it's an avoidance mechanism cologne. Well, it, it is interesting that in this, in this list, Ben, we're talking about uh, tears and sweat and other, you know, stuff. It does feel like 
maybe genital excretions should be on there as well. Ew. Maybe they are included because well, it's because things that we are trained to smell biologically, right? Mm-hmm. How gross you want to go? Well, I mean, I think people can maybe use their imaginations, but you're definitely right. I mean, you know, this, I mean, look, I'm just going to say the movie. It's called Scent of a Woman. Okay. It's uh, with uh, Robert De Niro. You know, he goes, hoo <laughs> Is that a reaction to this? He's, <laughs> I don't, I don't. All I'm saying is he's a, he's a character who is who is blind, and I actually don't remember the plot of the movie very well, but the idea of, you know, being able to sense a woman's uh, sexual interest in in someone, you know, based on a, let's just call it a, an awakening, right? Or, yeah. Yeah. or the other creepy part, like, uh, you'll see this often in horror films, or you'll see the claim where some cult leaders do this too, where they're like... Oh, she's ripe. You yeah. know what I mean? Or they claim to they claim to say that they can tell when someone is menstruating or ovulating, right. etc. And so for a long time, people have wondered whether humans were capable of emitting and sensing sometimes they call them pheromones, a better term would be chemo chemo signals, right? This is where we want to give a shout out to some folks from the Netherlands, particularly Jasper H.B. de Groot, who uh, for for a while was very focused on chemo signals and whether they happened between humans. And this is what Jasper and co found. In 2012, they had dudes watch either a scary or a disgusting video. Uh, and they had them wear a certain T-shirt while they did this. Beforehand, each participant in the study had to follow a set of pretty stringent rules. No Axe body spray. You know what I mean? No strong soap. No cologne. Nothing that would alter or interfere with their body's natural scent. So after they watched a very scary or a very disgusting video, Jasper and his crew took these guys' shirts and they gave them to another set of participants. They gave them to women. And they asked the women to smell the shirts and tell them the vibe. Whoa. Well, hold on. Don't don't each of us kind of have our own scent to our body odor, depending Musk. on our diet, our mm-hmm. genetics, and all this other stuff? It's a good question. Yeah. I mean, I, for one, smell intriguing. Uh, so that's, that, that's actually the name of, uh, of Ben's fragrance. It's called Intriguing by Ben Bowden. Oh, Jesus. Well, a, a, ma- a man musk. Yeah, right. Mysterious musk. Yeah, exactly. Crows follow him, but where? So, uh, all right. Well, okay. Everybody gets a little, I guess. Uh, so these researchers, they, uh, they found that the people who received fear shirts, shirts with sweat, uh, that was cre- created during watching a scary video, when they sniffed them, they would show fearful expressions. And those who got disgust-based shirts made disgusted expressions. What? And it, al- what? Yeah, it also altered how well these people did in performing a certain task. I know this science sounds like bull****, but you can read the studies, and it's, it's fascinating. Some science is a little more grounded than others. That's all I'm saying. That see, that sounds crazy. Disgust or fear smells. <laughs> you, sm- the- <laughs> you well, you've heard it before. You stink of fear, or you smell disgusting. 
<laughs> I guess that'd be the other one. Yeah. Well, no, no. Uh, Let's go a little further with that. What of the smell of fear? You know, it's something that comes up in literature a lot or like, you know, we're talking about this vibe thing where it's like, I can smell your fear. You know, like that's almost like a cliche of something that like a, a, a masked maniac would say or like some sort of Bond villain, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. like I'm perspiring a lot right now as we're recording this because I do every week when I'm up here in my whatever this is my podcasting the Matt hovel and and i just smelled myself i i don't think i would describe either of those fear-based or podcasting based or whatever sense (laughs) these are my podcast sense i guess in paul and noel and and my own defense matt i would hope that hanging out with us even remotely doesn't trigger fear and disgust responses (laughs) I mean, some, but not a lot. (laughs) Thank you for your (laughs) candor. Uh, So, uh, yeah, this is, it is strange that uh, people who, okay, there's another thing related to this. New Scientist magazine found that uh, in a similar study, people's amygdala and hypothalamus brain regions associated with fear did become more active when people breathed in fear sweat, sweat produced by fear versus a control. It's very strange. Uh Uh-huh. That research, by the way, was funded by DARPA. Oh, God. Yeah. Nothing nothing to see here, folks. What are they going (laughs) to use that for? (laughs) Fear sweat people, you know? They're going to bomb them with fear sweat. Anyway, uh, Jasper and crew aren't trying to do that. Uh, The Dutch scientists, led by Jasper, said... Look, we think we only communicate through visual and auditory modes, but our sense of smell and these chemo signals help people become, quote unquote, emotionally synchronized, which is very strange, especially because we're just talking about fear and disgust. But there's good news. 2015, Jasper and the crew are right back at it. It's after mathematics, right? Uh, They have a 2015 study follow up on this. And they found that positive emotions can be transmitted the same way. Aww. That's nice. That's sweet. I But how far does it go, right? No, Matt, does this mean that if you walk in, like, if you smell affectionate sweat, then you just feel a little better, like that positive goo in Ghostbusters 2? What happens if you smell horny sweat? Well, that's what I'm talking about. I mean, isn't it all horny sweat? I mean, okay, let me, let me, let me rephrase. Let me rephrase. Isn't the idea of smelling something positive, isn't that always kind of sexual when it comes to, like, a, a smell of a person's body? Like, you know, I would think it would either smell bad, because even some people like it when their partner, quote-unquote, smells bad, because it associate, they associate good feelings with that or something. You know what I mean? So I guess a lot of it has to do with your own personal experience with that person and that person's smell. And to your point, Matt, you know, our own individual smells. But then as far as like positive feelings are like, you know, that to me usually would have to do with sexual feelings because you're, you know, animalistic kind of. It goes back back to one of the P's guys, precedence, right? Mm -hmm. Last time you smelled that and you were in in this person's presence, it was post-coital or whatever, or it was after or whatever. So I can totally see that functioning in that way. But I think it, I think the P is precedence. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, shout out to PP the man. So this means that both positive and negative states can, according to studies like this, be unconsciously communicated via smell. 
you can get a vibe and think it's intuition or telepathy. Uh, you could call it whatever you want, but it might be olfactory based. This also means your unconscious mind, because your unconscious is bad at explaining things to your front of house, your conscious mind, your unconscious mind will be like, this person's great, or this is disgusting. And you might not be able to articulate consciously, oh, that's why I like this person. It's crazy. And I, I think, okay, drawing it out, I know we're going long here, but drawing out further, what if multiple chemo signals all relaying the same information inundate a given environment? What if the bad or good vibes of a particular place are our perceptions of positive or negative chemo signals from other events? And then what if it creates a feedback loop? Something horrible happens in one place to a lot of people. A lot of other people come by afterward, but close enough in time to pick up those chemo signals. And that sparks their own fear or disgust response. And then a third group comes along, rinse and repeat. It's like a, a, a mother sauce of Dark, evil emotion. <laughs> wow. Oh. That's very visual. Then. I like it. I mean, is, is, isn't the biggest takeaway here, though, just how uh, closely scent is tied to memory and how it can just really take you back to a place and it can just, like, trigger so many neurons to fire and just kind of, like, take you back to an emotional state, whether That's it be remembering your mother's cooking, remembering the smell of a certain dish. You know, we're, 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 we're more we've been more talking about the smell of bodies and people, right? And like how that would apply to these intuitions. But if you just think about smell in and of itself, it's fascinating. You know, it could take you right back to a day a thing happened in a way more so even than maybe a photograph could. Like Proust, uh, in a taste of things remembered or remembrance of things past when he eats the Madeline and, uh, writes a really long novel as a result, <laughs> which is true. Uh, yeah, it's, it's called the cookie uh, book. Smell is smell and taste, which are so very closely related, are uh, prime memory encoders. That's why, if you really want to take yourself back into your memory palace when you're trying to think of something, try to imagine any smells or taste you can associate with it. That's also why people like weird smells. Well, it's also a big part of like really high end dining and like culinary stuff or like, you know, cocktails. It's all about evoking a thing. Maybe it's a thing that you have never experienced, but you're creating, you're painting a picture and bringing someone back to like a time and place. And I think, you know, it's the kind of buzz terms that like, you know, high end chefs use and stuff like that. The idea of uh, things being evocative of certain, you know, um, terrain, for example, or like parts of the world. Yeah. We call things a sniff test. You know what I mean? We Humanity's do. been circling around this stuff for a while. Just to go back to this concept of chemical signals being left back to create that feedback loop, Ben, I'm trying to imagine how long those signals would actually stick around, right? Because that's, it is Yeah, a, that's just my no, it's talk cool. baby theory. It's cool, oh, man. I, it's I, cool. I love the theory. I'm just, in my head, I'm trying to imagine how long that chemical signal actually what the half-life is, right? For somebody's uh, sweat after running in fear of their life in a particular location and sweat drops onto the floor of, let's say, a cement floor. How long does that chemical signal stay there and could be active for somebody could else? Be, yeah, it could be potent. Like, what's the difference between a roller coaster, really high-stakes escape room, versus, you know, um, a tragic 
structure fire, mm. right? Um, like, is there a smell? Is there a chemo signal smell of death? Have you, have you guys heard of a novel and then a film called Perfume, a story of yes. murder? Yes. Matt Riddle recommended it to me, and it was one of my favorite books I read that year. It's real cool. Haven't read the book, but the film is great. The film is directed by Tom Tykewer, who did Run, Lola, Run, which is a, a movie from my youth that I always really enjoyed. But it's about a, a young man who, in like the, what, like France, like in the, what, 1500 or something like that, who has like a really insane sense of smell. Um I'm not going to give anything away, but that movie does a really interesting job of of doing of evoking a lot of these things that we're talking about. Again, it's not it's it's much more of like its own kind of area than than just this intuition stuff, uh, and it ultimately goes in a very fascinating and weird direction. So if you, if you're not familiar, I recommend either reading the book or checking out the film. Mm. And this idea, then, we would have to incorporate a couple of other variables. And it sounds like DARPA is thinking along the same line. Stop scooping us, guys, seriously. But the, uh, the idea would be, you know, Matt, you're raising all the great variables. How long could this kind of signal stay potent, right? What, uh, what do we know uh, can make someone a good or bad uh, re- receiver of this stuff? Right. Is are some people more sensitive to those signals? And that's why they can pick up vibes that they later rationalize through any number of cultural frameworks. Unclear. At this point, studies continue. Nothing is 100 percent conclusive yet. It does appear that the human mind is partitioned and conspires against part uh, conspires against itself. Think of the subconscious as the kitchen or back of house and think of the, the you that you think of as you as the front of house. You don't always know what's going on in the back, but you need it to happen, right? <laughs> and uh, from far enough away, this gets confused with all sorts of things. Your mind is conspiring not to hurt you, but to save you. Or you just smell great. Well, yeah. And sometimes it's also trying to protect you from getting hurt again. Like, I, I know we've experienced this before, right? Your brain, you've gone through something really troubling, and then anything that is even remotely similar to that, your brain is trying to warn you. And just like you said, Ben, the back of the house is going, hey, hey, this feels a lot like that last time. We, we What do we got to do? What do we got to do? Um, it, I, I just, I'm personally aware of that way too often in my life. That's all. Absolutely. Whether it be something like heartbreak or, you know, an injury that you may be sustained or um, a time that you were victimized, like we were talking about at the top of the show, where you didn't see those cues. And now those cues are everywhere screaming at you. And if it's bad enough, hell, it can really ruin your life where you just can't even go outside. You know, I mean, I would say it's super troubling because you it. Again, this is me speaking personally from experience, but it it makes it really difficult to judge if the back of the house signals are actually a warning for something real or it's just, again, like you said, self-preservation that's like trying to move to the front of the house. Or trauma processing, right? A hundred percent. You know what I mean? Like there are right now countless people in the world who uh, may encounter a scent that other people would the vast majority of humans will find innocuous, like shaving cream, Barbasol shaving cream. And it sends them into some horrific sense memories, right? And they're back in a terrifying situation. Your mileage may vary is what we're saying. And that's the tricky thing about trying to quantify and explain vibes. This point, uh, hold your 
hold your hands, your tentacles, your appendages against your ears, and we're going to transmit the responsibility of figuring out vibes directly to you. What do you think? We want to read your personal experiences with good or bad vibes. We'd love to hear additional takes or insights into this general phenomenon. And I know we're going to get some amazing spooky stories. Uh, So hopefully inspiring nice ones too. Oh, yeah. Maybe. Oh, totally. You can vibe at us or with us, hopefully, uh, online. Uh, We exist at the Handle Conspiracy Stuff on Twitter, uh, YouTube, and Facebook. Conspiracy Stuff Show on Instagram and TikTok. Yeah, we can't wait to see how our vibes interact with the vibes that you once vibed. Call 1-833-STDWYTK. Leave a message. You've got three minutes. Give yourself a cool nickname and say whatever you want. Just got to make sure it fits in that three minutes and do include if we can use your name and message on the air. If you'd like to instead send an email, put anything you want in that email. We'll read it. We read everyone. You can reach us. We are conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael tura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts i used to have so many men How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes... Nearly $10 million was all gone. It's just unbelievable. Hide your money in your old rich men, because she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.